Welcome back to Bit Different, everybody. This is Satine. And this is Rob. Hi. Hey, Rob. How you doing? I'm awesome-ish. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, you know, another birthday, so doesn't really hit you, but I do like to continue the birthday month as long as I can by just doing nice things for myself. Because yeah, we did talk about... My birthday. Yeah, we talked about that last week. But last week, but it's continuing. That's why I'm getting to the story. Okay, sorry. So, um, to continue our birthday, because Stevens, like we said, was on the second, we decided to go celebrate at Guildhall, because um, it was just the two of us. It wasn't like a party or anything, but we just went to go, um, because Valiant were kind of throwing a party where they had um, the screens uh, for the new All-Stars. Or is it called All Stars? The All Star match. match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's All Star match. So, and there were two. There was Canada versus I don't remember the teams, but Canada was playing, and then in another match, the U.S. was playing. And on Canada's team was um, one of the players from Valiant, who was um, Agilities, and then on the other team was Space, the U.S. team. So we just kind of cheered them on. They weren't actually at the bar, but it was just kind of cute to like be there and. You know, we got some free swag. Oh, and I got that code for you if you know anybody who has a PC, because it's PC only. Oh, I do. I know some people. Okay. Well, there. They can have a free Valiant little awesome. skinneroo. So, um, but other than that, yeah. haven't been doing much. Just a lot of reading. I've been doing a lot of reading this week. I'm trying to educate myself. haven't really got out of the house too much, but that's okay. Got it. You look very, very... Sorry, had sudden texting <laughs> needs. I was going to say, you seem very, very in another space right now. Sorry. My I'll bad. call you out, Rob. I just Go called you out. Oh, but you did come in with a very fancy sweater. I did. Yeah. I came in with my uh, Hanzo... I can't remember what it's called. Is it a super hoodie? Ultimate, it's the ultimate hoodie. Mm. That makes sense because in Overwatch they have ultimates. Ultimates, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I came in with my my Hanzo ultimate hoodie, which is like vaguely douchey, and I love it. Well, it it kind of is the, his skin. It looks yeah. like you're wearing his like skin. Yeah, his, like the <laughs> the left arm is a tattoo sleeve. Yeah, and um, like if you just sort of yeah, if you forget that it's Hanzo, it looks a little Tom Hart or. Ed Hardy, not Tom Hardy. I wish it looked like Tom Hardy. Right. Jesus. Uh, it's a little Ed Hardy at times. But Just like, say Sailor Jerry's. Yeah, Sailor. it's very Sailor Jerry. I like and that it's better. It's nice <laughs> and warm. It's chocolate brown with blue trim. Yes. And it's Hanzo. It's kind of got like all the things that I love oh so much. Very cool. Yeah, I do have some good fashion. I bought some um, three. Um, well, actually, well, I bought three, but two of them I kept, and one of them was for Stephen's birthday present. It, he got the Uniqlo Lucio shirt, which was my favorite because it's a dark blue with like a really high color Lucio on it, which I was kind of obsessed with. But I had the two shirts I got were white, and which I hate, but whatever. One of them was all the heroes in orange. Mm. And it says something about something your heroes or whatever. And then the other one was Diva, but it was like 8-bit. And it was like a Diva heart. And it says... Love Diva. Nice. Cute. Well, I, I, I like uh, Uniqlo um, whenever they do like a cool partnership type thing. Oh, no, it didn't. It says, I play to win. I play to win. 
Yeah, that's what it says. Sorry. Continue. I like when they do partnerships. Yeah. Uh, I think I bought a piece of their Nintendo stuff. Yeah, they have a ton of like Mickey Mouse stuff too. Yeah. They do a whole bunch of Disney stuff. So, yeah, so they're really cute shirts. And it's like, why not? Yeah. Super cute. They'll never come back probably there. So, might as well have them all. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, I think that everything they do is pretty limited. Yeah. Um, nice. Cool. Yeah. What have you been up well, to? And I know that uh, you watched a movie. Oh, I did. Oh, do you want me to go all right into my movie? Well, we're into what, what we're up to. That's when we talk about stuff we've watched. Yeah, that's true. I watched Hereditary. Hereditary? Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> that one. That too. I saw it. What'd you think? And I loved it. Isn't it fun? <laughs> I didn't want to love it. Really? In, only because I, I, um, by my own choice, decided not to go to a screener when it was coming out, before mm. it came out in theaters. I was like, I don't want to waste my time going to that. I do love Toni Collette. Wow. And she's so good in it. I didn't want to go. Yeah, it was I, was, I think I was doing something else that night anyway, but I was not in the mood. And I really wish I would have, because I'm sure it was really cool in theaters, because it was quite scary. Yeah. Oh, it was super creepy. Yeah. Todd and I saw it opening night, I think. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah, because I ran into you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you were like, you can sh- you should come watch it. I was like, no. Was that Thursday night? It was a Thursday night. So, I... yeah, it was like the, the, the basically the midnight show. Kind yeah, of you, it. it was midnight. Yeah, we saw it between like 9 and 11. I think right before Pride, because it was handing yeah. off my, um, yeah, the Valiant Rainbow bra- uh, Pride badge to you. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. That's our own little hereditary little movement down that little yeah. line yeah um but you liked it though i liked it let me c- c- gather my thoughts yeah i guess it, not going into spoilers and stuff like were you nice and surprised by some moments i didn't realize how many different types of horror scares there are going to be in there mm. like it took from a whole bunch of genres it wasn't just like one type of genre which I thought was great. And um, I heard mixed reviews on the ending, which I'm not going to talk about, but I yeah. didn't mind it. It's, I didn't mind it either. A lot of people don't love the ending. It's very indie, the ending. It's not like a It's a not a blockbuster feature. ending. It's not a, yeah, a huge feature ending, which is great, because who wants those anymore anyway? Well, it's, it's a quite kind of thoughtful movie anyway. The movie's a lot about mourning. Yeah, Tony Collette does a really good job at just being a victim and then trying to take control of it. And it's just something that she has a hard time to deal with. There's death in her family. There's like her mom just dies at the beginning of the film. That's like the very first scene. And so it's kind of like from that death on what happens to the family. And if, is there a curse? Is there like some powers we don't know? So it's, it's really good. I liked it. Nice. Well, I'm glad you watched it and glad you liked it. Yeah. But there were some crazy moments. Oh yeah. And the fact that she, Makes these her job is making miniature models for galleries, and she takes like traumatic instances from her life and puts them into these miniatures. It's fucking creepy, Rob. It's oh, yeah. so fucking creepy. So good. I bet the production value or production team was super excited. Like the art team, they're like, yes. <laughs> we'll make these damn miniatures. Well, I, I heard a thing about like, yeah, especially like even the first shot, whatever, like a lot of stuff had to be like really set up and locked in place way early because the miniatures had to be made exactly the same along the same time while they were making the actual sets so yeah. they could actually shoot everything. 
I wonder like, who they had. I'm sure they went to a, like a special house in like Europe or somewhere who makes like perfect miniatures. Oh, they, they yeah, I'm sure they found a miniature production company for yeah. it. Yeah, but like yeah, I know that that was a thing where like everything had to be very set. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited about watching it again. Actually, I have this. Um, do you watch on um Instagram? Do you ever go on Instagram? Occasionally. Occasionally. So if you go on your like search and you're like going to search something like and like what they suggest pops up. Mm. They on mine, I don't know why, but because I follow a lot of artists, they always have like miniature artists. So people who make like weird miniature like cakes and like pastries and things out of like clays and then how they make it and um, they fire it up and the whole bit. And I'm like, that's pretty fucking crazy. <laughs> and then in one scene in the movie, Tony um, Colette, she had the huge magnifying glass and she was etching something onto one of the pieces and i was like holy shit that's so small <laughs> anyway that was my own little rant but it was cute what have you been up to well i mean uh it's funny uh so when we recorded last week um i started getting this little tickle in my throat and i was like oh maybe i'm just oh it was a bad bj yeah sure i wish <laughs> uh instead um on wednesday i woke up feeling so sick i actually yeah, called in sick to work i don't think it was the flu i think it was just a head cold oh. um and so um i called in sick and so took a day off there but like i'm still fighting a cold now um i mean the cold i think is mostly gone but now i'm I'm blowing my nose all the time like uh and um i have a cough that whenever it happens people tend to back away a few feet because it sounds terrifying um Hazel had that the whole time we were in Santa yeah, Cruz. and it's like, I'm not contagious anymore. I feel like I'm probably going to be dealing with this for another week. It's like a whooping cough. Yeah, it's just, it's not going away. You need to make some slippery elm tea. What's that? It's a herb. You put it into tea, put it in, drink it, helps with a whooping cough. All right, then. Good to know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, since, and then uh, the day after that, um, Todd left town. So um, I had like four days with no Todd. Um so I got lots of work done in the spare room because I'm still trying to deal with that. And um, as part of that, I went to Ikea. Okay. With, I met up with my mom and I went to Ikea with my mom. Uh, which oh, my, that's cute. My mom told me, she was like, this is how much I love you that I'm willing to go to Ikea, Ikea with you. Ikea sucks. I hate um, Ikea. Personally. And, oh, yeah. No, well, I don't mind Ikea as long as you have the time. But also, though, I can go to Ikea and be in and out within a half hour. Well, last time I went, I actually looked up even on the website, like, what I wanted. I found it. I was able to confirm it was at the Burbank location. I was even able to get the um, location of it in the warehouse on the website. Oh, so nice. So I, you went straight down. I walked in, went straight, straight to the warehouse, went to, you know, aisle one, uh, or it's like what, yeah, aisle one, bin two, I think was exactly what I wanted. Grabbed it, left. Hardest mm. thing was getting it out of my car. Why didn't you just have it shipped to you? I don't trust the brutes at the post office to not destroy that press board wood furniture. Gotcha. Um, also, I needed it right fucking then. So, like, I, I made a point to be like, on Saturday, I said I needed footage, or need footage, jeez. Can't get out of work. Uh, needed um, the shelves. <laughs> yeah. And then Sunday, I went and got them. Um, and so I bought uh, two new shelves that I built that night, and I'm still filling those up and moving stuff around in the the spare room um but that's Very all cool. a thing uh also this weekend i watched a movie that's nearly unwatchable uh would i be able to guess it probably not i would go it's from 2002 <laughs> it's a french movie called uh irreversible 
Never seen it. It's from the director Gaspar Noe, who ended up doing uh, later. He did uh, Enter the Void, Love, which is a movie that was shot in 3D that has actual penetrative sex in it. Uh, and um, his new movie is coming out later this year. It's called Climax, about a dance party that goes terribly, terribly wrong. The trailer is awesome. You should watch it. Um, Irreversible, though, um, is a movie that he did back in 02 with um, Vincent Cassell and Monica Bellucci. And it's absolutely fascinating. Um, it's very hard to watch. I was going to say, I thought you said it was unwatchable. Oh, it's it's nearly unwatchable. French films can be hit or miss really easily. Well, it's an art film, um, and uh, it's unpleasant. That's the thing. It's very unpleasant. Um, like He used like a nearly inaudible bass hum for the first like half bit, trying to drive his audience to discomfort. Um, the camera rolls a lot, like it's always moving. There's a lot of artificial camera moves that they did in post, so that there's a lot of motion blur. Like the whole movie is very uh, kinetic. Is there a soundtrack? Uh, like audio soundtrack, like like music, like music. There is. There was a soundtrack done by Thomas Bangalter of uh, Daft Punk. Oh, it's not especially listenable. Gotcha. Um, it's a lot of loops and a lot of noises. And um, the movie is unfortunately most, or I mean, it's, I guess this is good, so people aren't surprised by it. Um, it's most known for the fact that um, uh, at its midway point or so, it has a rape scene that is about, I think, six minutes long with no cuts. It's Holy shit. absolutely, it is a sheer endurance test of a movie. To Those see if you poor actors. It. It's it's very hard to watch. And um, I'd mention this movie to a, uh, to friend and former co-worker ben um and he was really intrigued by what i'd said about it he was like i want to see that and i was like well okay so we watched it take a shot and um it's funny i hadn't seen it in probably 15 years oh oh, this was your second time this is my second time watching it um and so at least i was more prepared for it because i was like kind of emotionally prepared yeah but it's also it's funny like that's the scene that everyone talks about but like also there's a scene in it that has some of the most intense graphic violence like non-sexual violence just violence violence that i've ever seen in the movie and i was when i saw it back in 03 i was convinced that they had to kill a man to get this shot right it's absolutely horrifying like worse than clockwork orange kind of violence um well spoiler alert i I, honestly i don't think anyone wants to see this movie and also it's been out for 16 years we'll never see it um a man uh gets his face completely crushed and caved in with the butt of a fire extinguisher over a period of i think like 20 hits to the face it's a long scene and it's so impressive how well it's done and that's the thing i feel like such a weirdo saying this like as art mm-hmm. it's absolutely staggering what this movie pulls off i was gonna say that yeah it's um because like um, there's a like a seven minute special effects featurette on the disc that's really Mm. really really good um that explains how they did the fire extinguisher scene and it talks about how they did other stuff because like the crazy thing is i mean especially if you're watching it as a filmmaker like through filmmaker lenses about how they made this movie everything about it's impressive like there's a lot of uh scenes where like a camera will go through like a window like and the camera's moving so fast and the scene is so frantic that you didn't notice that it literally went through a like a window with glare on it. And it's like, oh, that window was clearly virtual. And but like 
it's it's not like special effects that are drawing attention to themselves like they're special effects. They're literally just trying to get out of the way to serve the movie, to serve the the story that they're trying to show. And so okay. it's a movie where like a lot of it just looks very practical when in fact every single shot you're looking at probably has multiple special effects in action that you don't even know exist. Huh. And Interesting. so, yeah, especially like, you know, I was watching it with somebody who used to shoot game capture for me. Yeah. And so he was actually looking at a lot of the camera moves, kind of wondering how they did this. Like at one point he actually said like, hold on, did the camera just go in and out of that car? And then it came out, like I went into the car, the car moved like 500 feet down the road. And then the camera came back out through the window, but like, no one ever actually went and sat in the car. How did they get the camera in the car to move that path? Because it's not like they were running next to it. Like, and it wasn't cut, obviously. No, there's no cuts. Huh. Or if there are cuts, they're extremely well hidden. Gotcha. And so, anyway, it's 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 actually a very, very impressive achievement. The acting is good. Um, it's just deeply upsetting and hard to watch. But, like, all of the individual pieces of it are so good. It's And it, it's mind-blowing to think that, like, I think I don't know for sure, but this might have been one of his first movies, the director's first movies ever. Mm-hmm. And like it has a look, a style, a feeling that is uniquely his. He has an aesthetic that was established very clearly with one movie. And all his movies feel like his movies. Um and but yeah, this this is such a unique movie from such a unique voice. Um that happened and it's funny, just like compare it to like that same year, the Scorpion King, I think, came out. And that movie has a lot of special effects that are very obvious and that are very terrible. And so you see like a big budget thing that special effects look like shit. Meanwhile, you have this like indie French film that has special effects that were probably still expensive, but like they're just invisible. It's so cool. I don't know. I always wonder, I know we've talked about this before, but even like the city of lost children, I was like, how the fuck did they do that special effect with the smoke way back then? Oh, it's so cool. It was like, what the hell? The French really know what they're doing. Yeah, Jean-Pierre Genet, is, he was a visionary. He still is. Um, and other than that, yeah, I've just been working around the house a lot, watching more, a lot more Futurama because I can uh, work yeah. while I do it. Uh, recently, an episode, uh, one of the first episodes to bring me to tears of this watch through just happened. Oh. A Futurama? A Futurama is an emotional, heartstring show. <laughs> I mean, I believe it, no, but I, I <laughs> challenge, it's just funny that you're I, saying it. <laughs> I challenge you. There's a few episodes that if you don't get misty while watching them, you are not Heartless. fully human. You have a heart of stone. It's because I'm not totally... I'm, I'm that guy. I don't cry at movies, but holy crap. There's a couple episodes of Futurama, like... One of them puts me into like heaving sobs. Really? It Which is, one? I'm just gonna look it up. It's called Jurassic Bark. <laughs> it's. I mean, I cannot laugh. It's. But it's hard. I'm gonna write it down. If you so much as mention that episode or any element of it to my sister, she will hit you until you stop talking about it. Oh my god! Like she's seen it once. She never wants to see it again. All right. I'll watch it. Well, and Matt Groening even says like a lot of fans walk up to him at conventions and stuff, and are like uh mad at him he's like people have yelled at me about like futurama episodes and it's like people are upset at him because they felt something like how dare you make me cry it's like dude that's an amazing show it's that's a powerful tool yeah anyway so Hmm. that's what i've been up to well speaking of a powerful tool Uh uh-oh i watched a blast from my past so you saw yours from the past well i watched 
Bed knobs and broomsticks. Not nearly <laughs> as upsetting as Irreversible. I fucking love that movie. I love that movie. It is a bit, I mean, I have seen it in recent years. It is a little slower than you remember as a kid, but it's still really amazing. I remember losing interest as a kid. Well, by the time the big battle happened at the end, yeah, all the well, when you're especially when you're a kid, all the Nazi stuff, you you don't quite can, you can't comprehend what's really going on. And the beginning is so exciting, especially with like you know the cartoon soccer match and like all yeah. like they do so much. It's like Mary Poppins, even yeah, Mary Poppins is very exciting until they get to feed the birds. But see, and I, that's my favorite song. And oh. I, as an adult, I love it. But as a kid, I was like, skip. Yeah. Fast forward. Oh, like everything's serious. Like between Feed the Birds up until Step in Time. Yeah. Like the movie was, it didn't exist. <laughs> I would go get food during that time. Like, cause I hated the whole sequence in the bank and I hated like all those things. Yeah. I didn't understand the bank because I didn't understand currency. Yeah, as a kid, it was just a huge, like, sort of mood like, killer for this movie. What is this old movie. man talking about? And especially because, like, them jumping into chalk paintings in the sidewalk. Like, everything about that movie is so magical until you're at the fucking bank, which is as boring as being at the bank. But you know it's, um, wait, what's his name? Uh, Bert. Dick Van Dyke? Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry. Dick. You know it's Dick Van Dyke who plays the old man. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> so. So good. Yeah, I, uh, no, it's, I, I feel for you on the bed knobs and broomsticks, I, but I love that movie. Yeah. Speaking of Burt, Burt Reynolds died. Yeah. That's sad. It is sad. But it's weird. I, we were talking about it at work, actually, because, I mean, he was old. It's not like he was robbed of his best years. Correct. We shared a birthday, me and Burt Reynolds. Oh. Different years, though, of course. Aww. I'm not that old. Really? Close, but not that old. Oh. Um, But, like, yeah, we were talking about work. It's, like, it's sad that he's gone, but, like, it's not, like, a tragedy because, obviously... He lived a very long and very good life. Um, but it's funny. I, I just always sort of feel like, you know, he was, I was born into a world where Burt Reynolds was already famous. I just sort of assumed he'd be, he'd still be here when I left. But I, don't, I, I, I don't know why I thought that. Well, it's like Angela Lansbury. I don't think she's ever going to die. She better not. She's so magical. I love her so much. She can't. Right. Exactly. And Julie Andrews. Another one. Uh, she just has to live forever. Like science, get on it. His, he was born in 19... Oh, 36? Oh, he was 82. Two. Yeah. February 11th. That's his yeah. birthday. Oh, wow. I didn't realize he was that old. I thought he was in his 70s. No, he died at 86. Or 82. He looked good. Yeah, even he looked, at 82. He looked great. Yeah. Um, it's funny, because even then, it's it's a weird time. Like, if you um ask me to name a Burt Reynolds movie... I can name like the one. best little whorehouse in Texas. That's not the one I would have named. Oh. I would have said Boogie Nights. Oh yeah, but like it's like I I didn't re- I always forget because I haven't seen I've never seen Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. I've oh, never seen Dolly Parton. I've never seen Cannonball Run. Um, I've never seen Smokey and the Bandit. Like uh-huh. a lot of his really fa- oh Deliverance. I can name two because I've seen Deliverance. What was um his famous TV show? He had a famous TV show. Maybe not. Are you Dukes mistaken? Of Hazzard, for... right? Oh, he was on the Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Yes. I think. I don't remember. See Boss Hog? Mm. I never watched Dukes of Hazard. I had to look him up. But yeah, someone mentioned Dukes of Hazard with him, and I was I'm assuming that was it. But yeah, like a lot of the stuff that he did, I never watched. It's like uh if you ask me what George Hamilton is famous for, I'd be like, he's famous for being tan. Like, 
I can't tell you a role that George Hamilton did, but he was already of a certain level by the time I was born. He was in Flipper, Flipper. The TV show or the movie? The TV show. Oh. Um, he was in... Yeah, maybe he wasn't in it. Hmm. Oh, well, anyway. Well, Burt Reynolds will be missed. Him and his sexy bearskin rug photo. Yeah, that's a good photo. It's a classic. Cool. Anyway, so what you playing? Well, I've been playing more of The Witcher. So have you started the DLC? I beat Heart of Stone. Already? And it was so damn good. I've heard like sorry, I've heard that Heart of Stone is real you good. You haven't played it? No, I haven't finished the main game. Oh, that's right. And it's about a golem, right? A or golem? Golem? No. Is that what Heart of Stone's about? Well, tell me. It's okay. So, basically, um... I don't know if you remember this, but in the very first, the beginning of The Witcher 3, you're trying to find Yennefer. Yes. And this man points you in her direction, but you don't know who he is. He just happens to know where she is. Mm. And um, so he points you in the direction. That's the last you hear or see of him in the entire game. He comes back in um, Heart of Stone DLC, and his name is Master Mirror, or... Um, his other he goes by Master Mirror, um, Man of Glass, and Gaunter Odim. So this character is basically going to save you at the very beginning from a shipwreck. This is the very beginning. Okay. And but for him to save you, you have to give him something in return. So you're going to owe him. If he saves you, but obviously he has to save you because the game won't continue. So, what he wants you to do once he saves you is to have this other person that owes him to complete his contract. So, he so his, that contract is null and void. But this person who he has a contract with will not do it, and he's basically immortal, and he's you can't he cannot die, and his name is. Um, Olgierd von Everick. And Olgierd von Everick was a very rich man at one point whose family came into hard times and he needed to impress his wife-to-be. So he made a pact with Master Mirror and that's how their whole contract started. So the whole thing is, in order for Olgierd von Everick to let... To um, complete his task with Master Mirror so you can complete your um, pact with Master Mirror, you have to complete his three wishes, mm-hmm. Old Ray Von Everick's. And they're impossible tasks, basically. So you're given three impossible tasks that you have to complete. And it's basically a whole game based off of the phrase, be careful what you wish for. And you never know who you're making a pact with. You never know what you're truly asking for because words can be interpreted differently. And even the final battle is a, is basically a game of words and oh. how you can um, dissect something to for it to mean something completely different. Hmm. So very interesting, very complex. How long was it? It's a 10-hour DLC, but it's... It's quite dense, yeah. I must say. There are a ton of new characters. You have a new um, love interest named Shawnee, who's a medic. 
Um, there's a part where you can even get into Oxenfurt College, which has been co- closed. It's not that interesting, but the scene in it is kind of creepy, so it's kind of cool. Um, there's definitely a point where you can have a bludgeoning of a character with a blunt object, which reminded me of your... This feels very yes, irreversible. Yes. It's quite graphic, too. So I was like, hmm. So um, lots of stuff happening. The Each of these three wishes takes about, I would say, an hour and a half to complete each. And then... Um, the game as a total, I mean, there's like side quests and a whole, you know, new Witcher gear, new rune. You could put new runes in your, you could, okay, so in the Witcher, you could put runes in your sword. Yes. Well, there's a new character that's introduced where he can, um, what's called, well, it's called rune words, and he inscribes on your sword mm. a um, word, and then your sword takes on a whole new power. That's cool. So it's it's quite different. They're introducing new mechanics. And now I'm... And it's really good, so I would play it. Apparently, the um, end boss is impossible to beat, but there is a way to beat him. So, like, I guess it's not... It's very rare, but I beat him because I'm that smart. But um, I'm not going to tell you who the boss is. But now I'm on uh, Blood and Wine, and I'm very excited because it's so beautiful. Nice. Well, I'm glad that you're doing the DLC. Yeah. Like, I do feel like you, uh, if anything, tended to um, judge DLC a little harshly just because you didn't want to spend more money on stuff. And at least I feel like, you know, I mean, when DLC's done right, yeah. it's real good. Especially, like, I mean, The Witcher is a pretty fucking complete game on its own. It would have to right. And it have to be a worthy like between these two DLCs, I'm getting forty extra hours. It's basically a Lost Legacy yeah, they're side substantial. title. Yeah. So I'm basically getting a full another game. Oh, you're getting a lot more than Lost Legacy. Lost Legacy was like, wasn't that like? I thought it was a forty hour game. Also, no, Lost Legacy was like I thought it was like twelve. No, Uncharted Four is only like what eighteen to twenty two. Holy shit. Okay, well, yeah, you get no. forty hours of gameplay. Yeah, I mean, most let's say most DLC is not. Well, it's forty hours plus because yeah. if you do all the side quests, yeah, yeah. So definitely a sizable. It was on sale for fifty percent off, so I it was twelve bucks. I was like, I, how could I pass this shit up? Yeah, you gotta do it. So, um, I love The Witcher, Rob. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, as I sit <laughs> next to uh, a um, six books between bookends and. Uh-huh. And because when I read, I'm like, I need to find out where everything is on the map. I have the map on my computer so I can look up exactly. That's actually a good idea, just having it as your wallpaper. Yeah. So you just have it, like, always kind of around. Plus, it's also fall color, so it's like, oh, it's perfect timing. And um, right now, in Blood and Wine, I am in an area called Tucson. So that's where I am, in the Nilfgaard. Tucson? Yeah. Like Arizona? Tucson. Oh, Tucson. My bad. It's, like, French-sounding. But, um... Yeah, it's in the Nilfgaardian era, so or region, I should say. So it's quite interesting. Nice. I love this shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what have you been playing? Well, um, last week I started the Destiny Two Forsaken uh, campaign. Oh yeah. Um, because luckily, I mean, this is this. I swear, this is not why it happened. Because I was sick on Wednesday, I was able to just lay on the couch and play destiny for a while um 
so I got to do that, and um, I have to say, you know, it feels good. It feels like more Destiny. I like how Destiny plays. Um, it's actually given me a little bit of a challenge because I haven't really leveled up my gear appropriately, and um, it's been kind of it was interesting. Uh, the very first sort of mission that you play through felt like a ride at Disneyland to me, and that like it it had these sort of sh- set piece moments, which I feel like Destiny often doesn't do. Mm-hmm. Where like, oh, you're walking down a corridor and then the door opens and then you turn like you, it's a dead end. You turn to your left and you see a character, you know, uh, like an NPC, a friendly NPC, ripping a knife out of somebody and looking and be like, oh, there you are. I'm going to go do this, but you should go do that. Let me open this door for you. And they turn and like fuck with the console and then to your left, like a door opens and you keep going. And so it felt very much like almost like Indiana Jones. So like, what are you guys doing here? Yeah. Go that way. You know, it felt a little bit like that. Um, and then like, and then like, as you're playing, like I'm fighting a huge battle down here and on like a catwalk above, you can see Cade six doing his six shooter sunshot thing at people. And like one person that he hits, like kind of almost like disintegrated and like flew out over camera, like over me. And so it was, it felt like this really, it felt cinematic. It felt very cinematic and very, um, experiential for that. And so that was great. Um, so I had a good time with that, but then, um, as much as I was enjoying Destiny, I also had a bunch of work to do, so I didn't, like, you know, at home. So I didn't spend a lot of time in Destiny. And then on Friday last week, Spider-Man happened. Yes, it did. And bye-bye and free time. The world is on that bandwagon. <laughs> and for good reason. The game is fucking fun. Like It looks cool. It's. I feel like it's the one of the... music is good. Oh, the, the score is great. The game has all these wonderful little touches. And that's what makes it so good. I, I love Insomniac. Like I'm a total, I'll just I'm a total Insomniac fanboy. I love the Ratchet and Clanks. I like the Resistance games. Yeah, like I, I like what they do. Too. Yeah, and I feel like this is the right spider hero, uh, spider hero, the right superhero for them because it has that same sort of fun factor that like Ratchet and Clank have, yeah. and that he's it's got know, jokes. Yeah, like and he's he's a friendly neighborhood like, Spider Man. Yeah, and he and he he likes to, he he's very quippy. You know, because that's who Peter Parker is. And um, I like the choices they made with the characters so far. Like, just the fact that, like, Peter is 23. So he's out of college. So he's older. Yeah, he's out of college. So we have to deal with high school. We don't deal with college. Um, the choices they made with a lot of the relationships and where they're at is interesting. Like, these are not really spoilers, I don't think, just because they're just kind of part of the world. But, like, you know, Norman Osborn is the mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh Peter works for Dr. Octavius, who has not gone Dr. Octopus yet. He worked for Dr. Octavius in Spider-Man 2, right? The game or the movie? The movie. I think he did. Or he was on a field trip. That might have been it. He might have like, known him in some trip. way. Yeah. But, yeah, like, but yeah, he works for Dr. Octavius, and he hasn't lost his mind yet. Uh, him and MJ broken up. They were together, they moved in together, and no. they broke up. But... You also get to establish more of a story between him and MJ, um, who's kind of, she's taken on more of a Lois Lane kind of I've thing, like getting into trouble, but also she's reporting little, on things. Yes, reporter situation. And so I love a lot of that sort of stuff where I think they made really smart choices on those things. And like, it's all about the little touches because like, there's been a bunch of articles about the little stuff. First off, the puddles look wonderful. I'm just going to go out and say that. Well, that's good to yeah, know. The puddles are great. Because I, for one, was worried. I was too. <laughs> Yeah. Uh not really. <laughs> um but like the like one of the things that like many articles have been written about already is that um apparently uh the voice of Spider-Man 
Yuri Lowenthal. Uh, they recorded multiple versions of his responses to phone calls, depending on what he's doing. So if he's swinging super intensely, you're going to get more grunts and a more uh, a more effort laden response from him than you would if you were just standing. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I love the fact that they, they, it's just like such a nice little touch. Yeah, that they didn't need to do, but the fact that they did it. They wanted all the perfection they just, could get it's in there. So nice. Yeah. And then, um, and then my personal favorite thing uh, that I have not seen an article about this yet, anyway. But like, um, I pers- I, I love the swinging animations. I, I knew you were going to say that. Well, and like, because they feel and uh, there's there's obviously a limited amount of them, but they feel slightly randomized and sometimes he'll kick a leg up and sometimes he'll flip around and, you know, sometimes he'll, he'll, uh, he'll do more of a dive before he, he can, is able to latch on again. And like, and then the coolest thing is there's like a thing you can do where um, he'll anchor to a point and like zip towards it. Yeah. And if you hit the X button right before you connect to it, you'll blast off of it forward at another, like at a higher speed to keep your momentum going. The cool thing is, though, like, typically, like, uh, if I'm doing that zip move, like, say I'm going towards a, a rooftop and there's a water tower on it. Mm-hmm. Chances are I would probably aim for the top of the water tower, the little peak. And yeah. that's what I would use to catapult myself further. One time I missed, and I ended up going into the sort of crosshatch metal legs of the water tower. Yeah. As I did so, he decided to do a corkscrew through that narrow section of the water tower, and the camera followed him before he resumed his normal swing again. They gave a special animation just to when you decide to thread the needle and go through a narrow opening. Now, like, does he do that for every small opening? He did like through that? a small opening underneath a bridge for me too. I okay. can't guarantee all of them, but like the fact that they even just even made that a possibility that it changed. Yeah, yeah, it just feels like the game has a lot of love in it. Uh, speaking of the swinging, what Steven loves about the game is that when you are swinging, the music momentum builds up, mm-hmm. and it feels very epic. And as soon as you start swinging, the the, the theme comes in. Yeah. It's good. Well, and, like, I I rarely fast travel. If you told me that my next checkpoints or my next, you know, mission is completely across Manhattan, I will swing there. It's just fun to do. And there's nice. a lot of collectibles to get. Um, But, yeah, it's really – it's been a, a very, very, very enjoyable experience, and I'm at, like – 54% completion. I'm kind of tearing through it because I wanted to get through it quickly so I'd be ready for Shadow of the Tomb Raider coming out on Friday. Yeah. Um, which uh, I don't think I'm going to. I think I'm going to have to just have that one sit for uh, a little bit because I'm really enjoying Spider-Man and time is just not on my side. Yeah. I, ha- I've ne- I haven't even played the last Tomb Raider personally. I know. We have it though. We have it. So I can play it. But I'm I'm kind of playing two games only right now at the yeah. moment but you know what overwatch is on my bucket list at the or my shit list i should say not bucket list because that poor mercy she broken <laughs> she broken all the other freaking heroes are getting these huge you know these huge like lifts and then she gets nerfed nerfed and then nerfed again and we'll get back to that in news though but and then i'm sorry i'm going on a rant because it makes me sad rant away I was done. <sighs> no, I'm done. That's it. Okay. Poor Mercy. Well, when we get to the news stuff, we can talk Overwatch stuff. So uh, is it time to learn? Well, we're not going to learn this week because I know. Last oh, week I gave you two. We are. <laughs> we are going to learn because uh, everyone's excited about this role reversal. 
No, I'm not good at this. So it's time for the word of the week. Please, week, don't week, on the week, spot. week. I'm stupid. Come on, it'll be fun. <laughs> okay, fine, go. The word of the actually, yeah, the word of the the week is reticulation. Reticulate, reticulation. Oh, Let's see if I can get this to work. God, reticulation, reticulation. I don't know. Is it to um to aim at something? Well, do I guess what type of what part of speech it is? Oh, it's um it's a verb. No, it's actually oh. it's actually a noun. A noun. Well, to articulate would be a, a verb. Or um but no, yeah. that's a verb. Um but yeah, I don't know, what is it? It is a net like formation, arrangement, or appearance, or a network. A Neticulation or reticulation? Reticulation with an R. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. I would never guess that. Yeah. Well, apparently it is a derivative of the adjective reticulate of Latin origin. Reticulate comes from the Latin uh, meaning covered with a net or having a net-like pattern, a derivative of uh, the noun reticulum or a small net or network bag. So there you go. It entered English in the 17th century. Wow. Nope. Would never guess that. That's why I honestly, because I, I always think of like reticulation points, or I guess I th- think reticulation as articulation. Because I was thinking like articulation oh. points. But no. I was thinking of points too. That's why I was like, like you pin, you um, zoom in on something, or like I was thinking shooting. You have a, ret- a reticle. reticle. Yeah. So I was like, what, you're aiming at something? Or? Yeah, I don't understand. I, mean, I wonder if reticle means, like, because I, mean, I wonder if the original reticle maybe was more of, like, a, a net style, and, and now we've reduced oh, it to just a crosshair. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I, I'm kind of curious. I'm not going to dig deeper, but no, I'm curious. It's good enough to know. All right, cool. Well, Rob, it's time for the Vinyl Frontier. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, so, um, real fast. Uh, nothing's arrived in the last week, but last week was a really good, uh, delivery for me of records. But, um, uh, in the last week, um, I am 8-Bit has announced the soundtrack to Gone Home, which I think they're only doing like a thousand of them. Um, it's for the fifth anniversary of Gone Home. So, uh, that is a thing that I have ordered. And then Data Discs has, uh, announced the, um, I think this is their first collaboration with Konami, which surprised me because Konami's done all their stuff through Mondo thus far, um, but they ha- are doing a double disc vinyl set of the soundtrack of Police Knots. Oh, cool. So uh, that's the vinyl frontier. It's real fast this time. Well, Rob, I'm glad you stopped because you almost hit a car in front of you because you just got stuck in a graphic jam. Oh, thank God I was wearing my seatbelt. So no crash. Good. (laughs) We narrowly avoided that. Yeah. So um, this week, I just got this book in the mail today by an anonymous donor. Um, Not so anonymous, though. I'm pretty sure it is by... Um, from Blue Deliquanti, who is the author and the artist of this book, O Human Star. Um, this is the first volume, and and I have this cute little drawing in the very first corner um, of one of the main characters, and it's signed and dated, and it's super cute. And this was... Um, I could not put this book down, first of all. It's really well done. The drawings are really good. 
And it's got a lot of really good themes in it. So I'm just going to read the back of it, of the book, to kind of give a synopsis of what it is. This is just reading from the back. So Alistair Sterling was the inventor who sparked the robot revolution. And because of his sudden death, he didn't see any of it. That is, until he wakes up 16 years later in a robot body that matches his old, <clears throat> that matches his old one exactly. Until he steps outside and finds a world utterly unlike the one he left behind. A world where robots live alongside their human neighbors and coexist in their cities. A world he helped create. Now Al must track down his old partner, um, Brendan, to find out who is responsible for Al's unexpected resurrection. But their uh, reunion raises even more questions, like who the robot living with Brendan is, and why she looks just like Al, and how much of the past should stay in the past. So, lots of queer themes in this book. Well, and I was immediately drawn to this book just because... Oh, because he's a hot daddy. The cover is like a straight-up hot daddy with, like, no upper lip. His mustache is so yeah, intense. Yeah, and his last name is Sterling. Mm. How much queer could you get? Mm. It's so good. Um... Yeah, lots of really good um, themes. Oh, yeah. Total bear. Total bear. He's not even a badger. He's a bear. Is the badger even a thing? No. It should be. <laughs> if it is, I'm not familiar with it. A honey badger. <laughs> they don't give a fuck. <laughs> they don't give no. Or they might give too many fucks. Whoa. Um, so, yeah. Really cute story about family, friendship, um, about a startup company that in the future makes it and then has all this crazy fun stuff happens. Um, it's just a really pretty and fun... I know, those pictures. Kind of sexy. Kind of sexy. You are skipping to the good part. I feel like I need to read this. <laughs> you really do, though. It's a really good book. Um, and it's quite informative about, like, how people... Like, how the mind works. I don't know how much research went into, like... Um, Basically, they create this AI, but how much like research went into how, what it takes to create an AI brain. But I was like, this is quite interesting. So, yeah, I thought definitely one to pick up. Nice. Um, and it switches back and forth between times, so you can kind of see what, how the relationships um, were back in the day versus what they are now. And I don't know. I just say pick it up because it's really good. And thank you so much, Blue, for sending it to me. It's stunning. And the like I mentioned that. Oh yeah, no, but yeah, and that yeah. that's so cool. Yeah, and then it was personally um like the main character who is well, you find out who she is in the book, but she's drawn on the inside cover for me because it's magic. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so um, thank you, Blue. I really enjoyed it. And if anybody likes a good <clears throat> story that's really full of heart, I recommend Oh Human Star by Blue Delaquanti. Also full of hot daddy. Oh, full of hot daddy. Yeah, and even his, um, his partner, his work partner is cute too, this little nerdy guy. Yeah, but he's no he's no daddy like that. Wait, he's That's... not cute when he's older. He's cute when he's younger. Cutie. <laughs> His name's Brendan. Brendan. So sassy. <laughs> Al Sterling. 
Brendan. Brendan. <laughs> Cute. Thanks again. And that is um, Graphic Jam. Nice. Yeah, and I'm going to post um, pictures on the Instas. All right. Cute. Most time for some news, right? So I got like a bunch, like a bunch of news. I don't, so... I feel bad. I was like, I'm like Mr. No, News maybe guy. I'll just like jump off of some of the stuff you have and... All right. Yeah. Hey, do you like Lord of the Rings? I do. There's a new game that just got announced. Um, not a lot of details yet, but we know that it's a partnership. Um, it got announced via... I think I read it on Joystick. Um, but um, the uh, the company that made Warframe, or uh, the publisher rather, that published Warframe, Athlon Games, yeah. uh, just announced that they are doing something in the Lord of the Rings universe. Wasn't Warframe like a strategy game? No, Warframe was a free-to-play, kind of like Destiny kind of game. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Huh. So I thought that was Do neat. Do you think it's going to be like an open world? What would you think? I don't know. I have no idea what it's going to be like, but... Yeah. um. I don't know. I'm definitely, I'm intrigued. I've enjoyed the last couple of Lord of the Rings games. I mean, those were both Shadow of War and Shadow of Mordor. Mm-hmm. Uh, opposite order there, of course. But, yeah. like, um, I liked those. And so, um, I don't know. I, I feel like now that Lord of the Rings has kind of gone away from the movies, it's yeah. kind of been free to do more interesting stories and games. Yeah, it's taking a lot from his more obscure books like The Similarian and other other stories. Totally. So um, I thought that was neat. I remember when it's so hard to find a fucking game, Lord of the Rings, like because I was into it, Lord of the Rings, very young, and like when oh the, yeah, there was nothing when the Super Nintendo game came out, as awfully <laughs> difficult as it is, I am still obsessed with it. <laughs> so there was a PC game also, but I never got my hands on that one. Well, like uh, when Todd and I first moved in together, like he has had like I mean. You know, the things that he had, most of them made sense, but there's a few, like, rando things. Like, he has a couple of movies on VHS. I don't know how we'll ever watch those again. Uh, and he had, like, you know, a handful of DVDs, and he only had, like, a couple of video games. Among them was The Hobbit on GameCube. Oh, my God, I remember that one. <laughs> and I was like, wait, they had it for PC also, I think. I was like, you're the guy who bought that. Okay. Yeah. Like Travis had it. Yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah, The Hobbit like, also. Because that was before the Peter Jackson stuff, I think. Oh wait, no, no, it no wasn't. that was during. Yeah, but it was not affiliated with. No, it's like yes. a cartoony kind of. Oh man, yeah, crazy. It's before the Hobbit films came out. Though. Oh, definitely before the Hobbit movies. Yes. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so that's a uh, a thing. Um. Also, you lis- you listen to podcasts anyway, right? I do. Do you listen to Serial? No. What is that? Oh my god, Serial's what got me into podcasts in the first place. Hmm. Um, season one of Serial is amazing, and you should listen to it. And all you listeners, I'm sure, uh, if you're not familiar, you should be. Um, it is, uh, it's like an NPR style kind of thing um, where Sarah Koenig and her producer Dana uh, have decided to take a look at this case. Like in season one, it's about uh, Adan Syed, a young. I think 17-year-old Muslim boy who was convicted of murdering his uh, girlfriend. Okay. Is it all like true crime? Yes. Okay. And, um, but something just, I guess, doesn't quite gel in Sarah Koenig's head. And so, like, they actually, like, follow the path that he claims he took to see if it's a reasonable timeline. They analyze the cell tower evidence. Like, over a period of, like, I think eight episodes, they really 
I want to say punch the case full of holes, but like they honestly, they find so many things that don't necessarily add up or are not concrete. Or cover-ups or something like that. They didn't find a greater conspiracy, but they definitely found a lot of unreliable people and that no one really can understand like why, or like, you know, like there's something not right here. And so from season one of of Mm. Serial, which was amazing, um, Adnan's case is actually getting picked up again. Oh wow! Like it's it's getting a lot of attention, and um, then season two was and so of course at this point um, Adnan Syed had already been in jail for I think like over ten years when season one of Serial happened. How, did they explain why they were interested in this case? I don't remember why she said that. Like why she was drawn to that one, but like is she an attorney? No, she's she's a like NPR reporter. Oh, but she is a reporter, so I mean, she's used to like looking at stuff like that. I think, she, I mean, I think she's a reporter, or she's like just an NPR voice, but like, I mean, she's the host of the show. Gotcha. And, but she definitely applies a lot of her brain to this. Yeah. But like, it's all, it's so interesting because there's so many things of like, oh, well, was his, did his lawyer not do enough for him? And they can't even interview her because his lawyer is dead now. And like, um, she died of unrelated stuff a little bit later. But like, um, it's really, it's very, it's very compelling sort of radio except it's a podcast yeah um and i tore through the first season so quickly and it was absolutely just riveting um is it weekly bi-weekly monthly it was weekly huh. um and then season two happened and i fell off during season two i did not care for season two it was about the Bo bergdahl uh uh, deserting case that was actually currently still in development it was still developing at the time so she was doing a real life like current story yeah and i didn't find it all that interesting because he like he was stationed in uh afghanistan or whatever and like he went missing and then like his whole like not platoon but like a bunch of people went to have to go find him and it caused problems and so he's been like arrested and he's being tried i think for deserting and so, um, and I think that one's almost more of an examination, not so much of like, did he do it or not? It's more of why, yeah. almost. And then the, they just released a trailer, though, for the new season. Season three starts on uh, September 20th. The first two episodes are going live that day. And apparently this one is about many court cases that have gone through Columbus, Ohio. I don't fully know more because I haven't actually watched the trailer yet. I just read an article about it. Uh-huh. But I'm all, I'm really curious to get back into Serial because there's something really uh very 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 compelling about it interesting so that you know um podcasts there's so many there's so many yeah and like even just in entertainment weekly because i get it for free so i read the articles and i'm like and they list um podcasts that you should listen to every so often and but i'm like there's just so many. Well, and, and <laughs> most podcasts tend to be like over an hour and they're weekly and there's just a lot. That's of ours. I know. Uh, and where are we at? And like, that's we're wonderful. Almost at an hour, we're right? almost at an hour. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, but yeah, serial, like I was hesitant to do podcasts and then, um, Todd was listening to serial and everyone I knew was listening to serial on top of that. And I've never heard of it. And I was like, I have to. So yeah, have serial. It's, uh, you know, what, what I see like, you know, welcome to serial, uh, a podcast where, um, you know, like a mystery gets uncovered week by week or whatever. Like it's something like that. Hmm. Um, but like it has a really very great structure. And yeah. listen to season one. If you are not captivated, give up. Because yeah. season one is, I think, honestly, it's one of the best podcasts I've ever heard. It's, But it's like a long NPR story. I'm still into lore. 
Oh yeah, Laura's. I've probably listened to probably fifty of Laura's episodes. They've, I think there's around eighty now. Well, did you watch the Lore series on Amazon? <sighs> I I talked about it a while back where I I only watched the first episode and mm. remember Campbell Scott's in the first one. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, I watched it. And I never just picked it back up for some reason, but I should. Well, it's like, I never There's listen- no reason why I wouldn't. I never listened to Lore, but I listened to The Black Tapes, mm. which The Black Tapes is almost like a X-Files kind of thing, where, like, the first season, especially, they go into, like, a lot of, like, Slender Man. They go into a lot of that sort of stuff, but it's all kind of told from the point of view of, like, you know, a woman who's, like, trying to, like, who's trying to discover the mystery of The Black Tapes. Gotcha. And it's really, it's it's a little hokey. Because um, also it's it's very Pacific Northwest Canadian kind of there's a lot of a boots going on or like a, there's a lot of like you know accent uh-huh. and it feels a little cheesy at times but even through the cheese there's sometimes like I just my brain would just go wild and I would completely freak myself out driving in daylight oh really yeah, yeah. i love lore i love listening to it when i'm driving at night because oh, it's yeah. so fucking freaky well it's like black tapes is nice and creepy you should give that one a go to it that it, one's nice and so in black tapes do they tell like the history of why people believe these things are happening or no they're treating it as a mystery it's happening now like the oh. whole idea because like the, the whole thing of the black tapes is that um there's a a guy who's a famous debunker of um of supernatural things yeah, and, it's conspiracy theorists. Yeah, and he has a shelf of videotapes that are in black cases. And the black tapes are the things that he hasn't been able to disprove yet. Gotcha. And so this is a radio, or a, you know, a, this is an investigation into this man and his black tapes. And so they're they're kind of looking at black tapes and then trying to talk to the people that shot them and who called him to help they want him to debunk these things or or he's off, he's offered a million dollars I think or something like that to whoever can prove something beyond the shadow of a doubt that the supernatural exists that's it and so he has all these things and he's debunked them all the black tapes are the only things he has yet to disprove wow. and so this is a show that is examining those black tapes interesting and then so digging they, deeper. these black tapes actually exist oh no, it's all fiction oh okay. it's all fiction uh but it's really good fiction oh. but like it's a little hokey a little cheesy because it often feels like actors but see um, but it's really is Non-fiction. Yeah, lore is based on on truth, and serial is also based on truth. Yeah, the thing about lore is, you know, there are vampires. Let's just say there are vampires. But why do we believe there are vampires? And this is why, because of the plague, because mm. of the, and it, so it traces back the steps of why we believe certain myths exist. That's cool. Into why it's an actual reality, and people still believe it today. But it all came from a source of like. A death, or yeah. just hysteria, or, you know, it's all natural causes, like things we can actually prove. Yeah. So. No, I need to listen to Lore, actually. It's Lore is great. great, yeah. Of course, every time you say Lore, I keep thinking you're saying Lord, and then I want to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lore. <laughs> <laughs> lore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will continue to yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. But, um, nice. Yeah. So, moving on with news. Yes, more Let's news. Get through this. <laughs> All right. Um. So, Overwatch. Let's talk Overwatch. Okay. Um. Little bit I have. Uh. Is that um Overwatch League has added eight new teams. Yes, it has. And those teams are abundant. Whatever they are. Oh, fuck. I had them all. 
Um, damn it. There's like three in Washington, Asia. Washington, D.C. Okay. Paris. Paris. Uh, I don't have a list. Toronto. Okay. Oh, here we go. I got it. Hold on. There's a little video I have to play to, in order to see it. Okay. All right. Overwatch League. Oh, yeah. All right. We have something I will not pronounce very well. Hangzhou, Chengdu, Gangzhou, <laughs> Paris, Toronto, Washington, D.C., and Atlanta. Sounds like my word of the week. Oh, and Vancouver. Well, it's a lot of, like, I think they're all... I feel terrible. I, I don't know. I, they're starting to sound like me. There's no country lines on this map. I just know they're Asian. Uh, so I can't even tell you what they are. Um, here we go. So it's Hangzhou, okay. Cha- Chengdu, okay. and Guangzhou. Okay. That's my approximation. I I don't know any of those yeah, don't, areas. Don't mm-hmm. at me because I honestly, I'm not going to pretend to even be able to like no fucking clue gotcha well on that note but eight new teams that's cool <laughs> so we have more chances to join the, the league if the are you know if the openings on the the dragons don't pan out for us uh, well i i know right i'm excited i'm always excited about new team colors oh yeah i'm curious like what the team names will be yeah because i feel like they've done such a like you know like with the valiant using mercy as their sort of logo and obviously, like, the Outlaws using McCree, you know, like, I feel like everyone's sort of got, like, a, which obviously there's, what, 27 heroes or whatever. So, like, there's plenty to use. Yeah. Um, And we haven't hit that many teams yet. Nope. But, like, you know, I mean, watch, is there, like, one person, like, no one wants to be that person. You know, no one wants to be Zenyatta or whatever. Like, oh, no. No, I'm sure, I'm sure every hero has a home. It'd be, eventually. like, the budding Buddhists. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know. Oh, um, speaking of Overwatch, though. Yeah, the Paris Tranquility, you know, something like that. Yes. Or the Iris. See? Because he wants you to stare into I mean, it. We should just start making up Overwatch teams. Yeah, that's it. All That's my new career is just making Overwatch teams. I could totally get into wordplay with that. But um, also, on that note for Overwatch, there was a patch today. Uh-oh. Um, and we got a new, um, a new land, Busan. Which is in Korea, which is uh, Diva's oh yeah stage t- from t- the t- Nano Cola whole like shooting star video that they put out yeah and um uh what else they gave um Reinhardt some they you know they gave him some upgrades and that's about it they pretty much. So nothing too crazy. Nothing too crazy. There's a new hero gallery filter. Well, I, guess, I mean, new levels a pretty big thing. The new level is pretty cool too because it ha- it's in divided in like three parts. So there's the sanctuary, which is kind of like the very beautiful gardens and the temple. There's the downtown, which is like the bustling area where trains come through. You could get by hit, hit by a train um, to kind of like a threshold between the sanctuary and the downtown, like. And then there's the Mika base, M-E-K-A, which is where Diva's working on her her mech. Uh, her mech in the show or the movie. Nice. Short film. So, yeah. So it should be really pretty and really cool and really colorful and lots of stuff to do. Nice. And when people love Diva. Love Diva. I think people want to know more about her. Winky face. Gigi. Gigi. Um, nice. 
Well, that's that's the Overwatch update for now. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, have you learned how to turn on the Switch yet? Nope. I haven't played it. All right. Well, Mega Man Eleven just got a surprise Switch demo. Oh yeah, I saw that. Um, that's all I have to say about that. I'm sorry, I'm cutting my toenail right now. Wow. <laughs> uh, seriously, I was texting earlier. You're cutting toenails. <laughs> Tune in next week when I do my taxes while recording this. And I type my resume. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the following week, we'll be vulcanizing our tires. Yes. So um, uh, I was curious, actually, what your thoughts would be on this, because I actually thought of you um, when they announced this category. Uh, so the Oscars, they're kicking around the idea of using of creating the best popular film category. Which is sort of like a best picture, but not for like award fodder movies, more for blockbuster movies. So okay. like best popular film would maybe go to like, you know, Avengers, uh, Infinity War, or Wonder Woman, or Black Panther, or, you know, Her- well, Hereditary. Well, first of all, Wonder go- Woman should have just won film of the year. I don't think it should have won best picture, but I do think... Yes, you do, <laughs> I, I, I do not. I like it a lot. I'm going to put my words in your head. Um, but like, yeah... the. They were kicking around the idea of doing a best popular film category um, for more, you know, less award fodder. I mean, like, personally, like... Isn't that what the MTV Awards are for? Except, like, at least it could have a little bit of credibility, unlike the MTV Movie Awards, which have, uh, how you say, none. Oh. None. That's rude. Nope. No credibility. Zero? None. A little bit? No. Maybe in the 90s. Nada? Not now. I go with no. Okay. Woof. Uh, yeah, I have very strong feelings about MTV's award shows at this point. Uh, so, um, yeah, but they decided to kill it. Uh, it. It got a lot of blowback from a lot of people. It sounds kind of cheesy. Well, also, how do you make that distinction? Because, like... I think it... You know, yeah. Like, that's the hard thing, because I, I feel like if there had been a Best Popular Film category, maybe Silence of the Lambs would have won that instead of Best Picture, just because it was a crowd pleaser that was a popcorn kind of... It was it was smarter than your yeah, average People thriller. are dissecting past um, Academy Awards then, huh? Well, I mean, cause I'm just, yeah, I mean, I, I wonder. I mean, like, you know, was it... Uh, it's like, um, I'm still not really thrilled that uh, what, uh, a, the, the King's Speech won Best Picture. That movie was fine. I liked it. That movie, I felt like, was made, though, it was genetically engineered in a lab to win Best Picture. It's a triumphant period piece about a real-life historical figure with fine acting performances everywhere, but, like, it's a very reserved, controlled movie that felt like it was made to please elderly Academy voters. Hmm. Meanwhile, what else was up that year that didn't win? Yeah, what else was up? Movies, I feel, that were much more visionary. Maybe they're not best picture material, but they were visionary. Okay. Inception. Okay, yes. Toy Story 3. Ugh, cried twice. I think Toy Story 3 deserved it. Uh, deserved, like, the win. Um, Social Network. It won the best um, animated, animated feature. But That's still something. But it was up for best picture. And I think it could have had it um but also uh, the social network which i actually i thought was a better i don't like i thought movie. it was a better movie because i thought they took a really not interesting topic and made it really watchable and i thought it was a great film that actually did some interesting things king's speech that could have been a direct to pbs you know tv movie you it, really don't like that movie did no, you <laughs> I mean, it was it was no i'm not, that's not saying it's bad i'm just saying like it just didn't do anything new like, the King's Speech, like, it's like, you know, the King's Speech, the English Patient, I feel like a lot of these movies that are just, like, they please 
old Academy voters, you know, and I think the popular thing was them trying to sort of find a way to bring a little bit more youthful interest to the Oscars, but also, yeah, where do you draw the line? And that's the problem. Yeah. I think it was impossible to actually figure out what would be in that category. Even Black Panther said, uh, yeah, even if they have that category, we're not submitting ourselves for that. We're submitting ourselves for Best Picture because fuck that category. Like, they they were just like, no, we don't want that one. Yeah. We, you know, and so it's, and I know like Disney even, you know, like, yeah, they typically win a lot of Best Animated Feature, but they also often will um, campaign their movies for Best Picture. That's like, they did that with... Uh, Inside Out, um, and what Beauty and the Beast, uh, Toy Story three were both nominated for Best Picture. You know, I think was Inside Out nominated for Best Picture. Might have been. I don't remember. But like you know, I mean, but you know, Disney's actually had animated features in the Best Picture category that have also won Best Animated. Yeah. Um, but like, it just shows a greater faith in your product that like you know we don't have to win a specialized craft category. We can win the big one. Like our stuff is that good. And so, I don't know, the, the popular thing felt a little bit like a, like a cop-out for a lot of people, and the Academy decided to kill it. But I was just curious what your thoughts were on that, because I do feel like if that thing had happened, there would have been a greater chance of success for your favorite movie of last year. Well, yeah, I definitely think it should have at least been nominated. Yeah, it didn't even have a home. There. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the thing is, it's all up to interpretation like what were how like what is the most popular it could have been any of them well yeah, and it's not even like most popular because if it's most popular it'd just be highest gross that wouldn't even be a yeah. competition it'd be like cool avengers got it you know call it a day yeah it got the most money but um you know that's both speaking to i guess reach and quality is yeah. what like that thing but even then real hard to even draw then that yeah it's very it's hard to say what that would be you know, but yeah, because and but and I think it'd be the the place where all genre like movies. Logan, maybe could have gotten in there. Absolutely, and I yeah. feel like that's where all genre movies would end up. Most comic book movies, uh, most sci-fi or horror, uh, like I mean, I imagine Hereditary probably would have been in there. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like you know I feel like all genre pictures would be relegated to this category instead of having a chance to run up against stuff like The King's Speech, stuff that feels like an award movie. Yeah. And so. I don't know. Just a, that was kind of interesting. You know what is an award movie that I wanted to win, but it, I don't. It was. I'm sure it was nominated, but I can't remember. Was the Imitation Game? Did you see that? I did. I loved that movie. I liked that one. That was kind of Academy Award fodder. That was. Uh, that well, and that was up against the. That was like a quite a year for biopics because that was up against um, the Theory of Everything. So ah. we had an Alan Turing movie and we had a Stephen Hawking movie in the same year. And I want to say, wasn't that the same year as The Danish Girl, or was it the year before? Was it the same year as um, the one with Matthew McConaughey and Dallas Jared... Buyers Club? Yeah. I think it might have been. Yeah. Like, I mean, and so, I mean, a lot of stuff, it just, those feel like Academy Award pictures. Because, and like, typically those movies come out between, what, uh, October and January. So they're like... Right in there. Top of mind. Yeah. And that's award season. And so, um, you know, uh, I think it was an interesting category to sort of like open up some eyes to more. But like, I think it would have been a little bit of like a token prize yeah um but anyway cool. so uh next thing um i don't know if you heard about this but uh, this is a fun little aside in spider-man uh oh yeah uh, the easter egg yeah the saddest easter egg ever they changed the title though of that article oh really yeah uh well yeah one of the articles referred to as the saddest easter egg ever um, but they changed it to 
The wedding proposal hidden in Spider-Man unravels. Oh. Maybe patched out. Yeah, there's there's a rumor that they offered... Okay, so uh, a guy reached out to Insomniac saying, Hey, I want to propose to my girlfriend. I could use your help. And they're like, can she wait till September 7th? And so um, they put in on the marquee of a... Uh, movie theater yeah maddie will you marry me yes and um by the time the game came out <laughs> turns out maddie had left him for his brother yeah five years they were together she left him for his brother and also she told him oh yeah and by the way i would have said no because i don't want to be proposed to via spider-man the video game so apparently she didn't even appreciate it and she dumped his ass for a family member which i think is weird it's weird. I. It's more weird that the brother, yeah. like, there must be no family, like, brotherly bond between. Seriously, them. like that wedding's gonna be uncomfortable otherwise. Yeah. Uh, and um, but yeah, I know that Insomniac has has offered to um, patch out the marquee to something else of the jilted proposer's mm-hmm. choice. Uh, I think he actually even said he's like, I don't know, it can it something can about stay. his grandma. Uh, I thought he, I, at least the first article I read, it probably got updated where he was just saying like, eh, no, it can stay in there. Someone else can use it. <laughs> like somebody else wants to propose somebody named Maddie. Yeah. Go for it. It says Schultz told Kotaku, Kotaku that he wanted to replace the wedding proposal with the name of his grandmother oh. who has passed from cancer and helped ignite Schultz's passion for Spider-Man. She gave him his first Spider-Man comic book, as well as a copy of Amazing Fantasy number 15, the first appearance of the character. Wow, that's a good gift. Yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. I hope that she, I hope that they do that. Um, although, I did find that movie theater in the game, just organically, and I took a screenshot of it. Because if it gets patched out, well, if it gets patched out, I want to be like, hey, I was there. I did it. I, saw, I was there. I saw it. And I was there, too. And there's my picture of it right there. I took Wow, that. well done. Thank you. It's a good one, huh? I can't believe that uh, your name is Tyler Schultz and that uh, <laughs> Kotaku is using your image. You know what? They didn't pay me either. Wow, what a bunch <laughs> of bitches. Uh, anyway, so that's just a fun little aside. I didn't want to talk about it while I was talking about Spider-Man, but it's a fun little news thing. Um, so some pretty fast stuff. Uh, there's been a lot of announcements coming out of Tokyo Game Show. Okay. Like little stuff, so these will be pretty quick. Go for it. Um, I don't know if you played this game back in the day, but let me see if I can do it. Uh, hold on, let me see if I can do the move. Space Channel 5. No, that's not it. That's backwards. What? Did you play Space Channel 5? No. Oh my god. What the fuck is that? Dude, it's so good. All right, so Space Channel 5. Space Channel 5 was a music and rhythm game for the Dreamcast, where you play as an intergalactic news reporter named Ulala, and it is super, super campy. Wait, I feel like maybe I do know. It's 1960s blob art, oh, kind oh, of. Oh, no, I did. Okay, yeah. Tra- I think Travis owned this. Space Channel 5. She's a cute crush of the week, well, too. And, and at the end of every level, she does, like, a five in the air and, like, swoops off to the side. Yeah, super disco-y. Oh, yeah. Well, she reminds me a lot of um, the lead singer from D-Light. Totally. And um, so Space Channel 5 is just a wonderful relic of the early 2000s. And um, Space Channel 5 is getting a PSVR experience. Oh, shit. An Ulala Figma. Oh, that's a good figure. Yeah, so he <laughs> just pulled up a figure of Ulala that is awesome. Looks anyway, so. Pretty damn good. Space Channel 5 uh, experience for PSVR is coming. I don't have a date, uh, but it looks super cool. Nice. Um, yeah, I do remember it, though. I just. 
would have never remembered unless he said something. So good. Uh, also, um, the game uh, Deracine or Deracine, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, the VR game from FromSoft, the makers of Dark Souls, uh-huh. is coming to PlayStation VR on November 6th. So I'm very excited. We finally have a release date on that. And a little bit of information on the plot. I'm actually making a point to not look at it. I just want to experience the game. Okay. Um, so I thought that was neat. Um, no date yet, but um, did you have a, did you have a GameCube back in the day? Yes. Did you ever play Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles? I remember the title. So it was a Final Fantasy game that was like an action RPG that was made with like real time combat, not turn based. Um, that was meant to be played. Oh yes, yes, yes. yes meant to be played, I didn't play it though. It's meant to be played cooperatively because if you stacked your spells on each other, they were like super powerful. Gotcha. It took a lot of coordination, um, and uh, it was only on GameCube, and I never had anyone to play with. So, oh, Rob, you need friends. So I didn't have a very good time in that game because it wasn't very fun by yourself. Uh, they just announced that it's coming to PS4 and Switch. Wah, 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 wah. What? So no date yet, but um, I thought that was exciting. Cool. Um, more on the VR thing. Kingdom Hearts is getting a PSVR experience that is coming this year. That would be really cool, right? I don't know what it is, but I'm excited about it. A lot of these, I'm for. I was just like, I, I. In my, I've been so busy that I'm going through my reader. Yeah. And instead of reading the articles, I'm just saving them. So hey, that's okay. For me to read later. I mean, and I haven't it read gives them. us stuff to hope for. Right? <laughs> uh, so this next one's not video game related, but I thought it was fun, and it made me think of you. Oh. Um, so Chris Pine. Yes. You're, you're a fan, right? Yes. I'm not that much. I don't love his look. But um, mm-hmm. I know that you love him as... Uh, Captain Kirk. Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor. Um. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but apparently he goes full frontal in a new movie coming out called Outlaw King, or The Outlaw King. So, really? mark your calendar. I don't know what day it comes out, but Interesting. I know that like uh, there's been a bunch of interviews mostly focused on his dick, because uh, whenever someone goes decides to flash- It must be beautiful. Whenever someone decides to flash the wang, like you have to do Remember when da- Daniel Radcliffe did it for- For Equus? Equus. Yup. Yo, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, I thought you might appreciate that little bit of news. Yeah, I do love dong news. Right? Dong news is fun. Dong news is the best I feel news. like maybe we should have a new segment, but we don't have nearly enough dong news. We could dig it up. All right. We'll dig deep. Gotta dig we'll up go the dog. Deep. Dog. <laughs> dong. God, now we're burying a dog? Uh, all right. Or we're exhuming a dog? Uh <laughs> All right, well, next thing. A lot of articles made me think of you. So the dick articles and <laughs> what else? Uh, Samurai Showdown is coming oh, to the PS4 in 2019. Because I just mentioned it. There's a new Samurai Showdown coming. Huh. That's dope. Yeah. All right. Um, see? Like, that's a good... I think of you in good ways. Yes, you do. Um, and so, uh, like, last little bit of news. I feel bad. But it's you, so shallow, but here we go. You, you know. forgot another piece of news that should have reminded you of me. I haven't gone through the She-Ra trailer has come out. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I didn't watch it because I don't like how it looks very much. Yeah. Did it's you watch not, the trailer? It looks. The animation looks better than I thought it would look. Okay. But the style is just not my style. Are you gonna watch it anyway? Um, At least give it a taste. I'll give it, it a try. Only because since the author of Lumberjanes is heading oh, yeah. it. 
It might have some fun lesbian twists in there. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. It might have a lot of, like, queer kind of themes, so cool. I might be interested in that. Well, I'll probably give it a go-to just because, you know, I like Masters of the Universe. I do, too. So I'm I'll just sad they look like kids. Yeah. I want them to look like, you know. Well, she was a fucking woman before. Like, she, she was, was curvy a and. stunning woman. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'd have rather, okay, personally, I'd have rather they done it anime style mm-hmm. rather than this cartoon. Yeah, more youthful of. look. Yeah, like maybe Sailor Mooney status or something. Yeah. I don't know. That's just me. Um, well, next little bit. Uh, the Last Remnant was a RPG that came out like 10 years ago on the Xbox 360. And it's a game I always wanted to play. But uh, apparently, like, I mean, I, at the time I, I had no money and I read a bunch of articles saying that like, oh, it has a bunch of frame rate problems. And it's just it's it's a performance nightmare on the 360. And I was like, well, I don't want to play that, okay. especially if I have no money. I want to blow a bunch of money on this thing. Right. Um. It's getting remastered and coming to PlayStation 4 on December 6th for 20 bucks. Sweet. So now you can finally play it. I'm really excited because it looked good. It looked really nice. It looked like a gritty kind of, um, I want to say it might have been M-rated, like a gritty M-rated RPG, like for being a JRPG. It's still, you know, still very pretty in Japanese, but it's a little gritty. Yeah. At least that was my take on it. Yeah. Um. And so I got two last little bits of news Um. real fast. Um. A lot of this is all very preliminary, but um, it was all over my Facebook today, and I just, I had to, because I fucking love it. Um, so, there's a rumor that Candyman might come back. Shut the fuck up. So scary. Currently being tapped, I think, to produce and or direct Jordan Peele. That's going to be really good. I fucking adore that first Candyman movie. It's so good. And, like, and the Philip Glass score is so perfect. Philip Glass did the music. He did. I love Philip Glass. Yeah. I love the score for The Hours. Oh, my God. Well, The Hours score is absolutely perfect for that movie. The fact that he does broken chords, because it's three stories running in parallel, the broken chords are the perfect musical metaphor for that movie. It's so good. And it it was also, it was great music in the first place. But if you look at, you know, the- Yeah, I didn't know the, the, yeah. Because the whole thing is, you know, it's like like a do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And it's- it's three notes repeated and like the fact that it's three, three stories people, three notes and it's but it's it's this thing which just it made sense triangle. Huh. and so it actually like um it's beautiful score in the first place but also if you just yeah look at if you think about how he did it yeah it, no that it reflects added, the piece yeah to my experience just now because i love that's my favorite movie oh really of all time have you read the book oh yeah and is the, the book, book is great yeah i haven't read the book the but book I, is I, great. I did love that movie yeah um yeah so whoever hasn't seen the movie it's how nicole kidman got her oscar and just go see it it's a great movie it's really good i I don't like nicole kidman that much but um i absolutely adore julianne moore and uh meryl streep is great ed harris is good it's Mm -hmm. it's a great movie yeah um so anyway yeah candy man though hello so scary so excited um and uh my last little bit of news, um, this is, I was just like, God damn it. Uh, there was a game that came out for the PC, I think a year or two ago, called Hollow Knight. Yeah. That I really wanted to play. And it came out for the Switch earlier this year. I was super excited about it because I was waiting for it to come to the Switch. And I bought it. I have not played it yet because my backlog is stupid. 
Uh, and they just announced that in two weeks, on the 25th of September, it's coming to Xbox One and PlayStation 4. So sweet. You are a witch. Right? Yeah. As soon as I get something, it's like, I hear more. So. You need to put more shit out there in the universe. Right? So yeah, so Hollow Knight, coming to uh, all current platforms. So you can play it on your PC, your Xbox, your PS4, your Switch. Go get it. It's like a super difficult uh, 2D platformer. A lot of people love to compare it to Souls just because it's hard. Um, so yeah, Hollow Knight. There it is. Very cool. And that's my news. I'm done. My reign of terror of news is over. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry, sorry I didn't. Yeah, I was I didn't so excited have much to talk about. Just going through personally. my my my, my news feed today. I was like, there's so much to talk about. Yeah, like the only things I had you you talked about. So perfect. Oh, oh the other thing is um, like we said, um, Shadow of the Tomb Raider's out. Will yeah, will be. We'll be out. Well, if you bought the Croft Edition, it's available but today. Go watch the trailer because Stephen, my roomy roomy, he worked on it and wrote it. So I think you should give it a hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all. You never encouraged anyone to ever go look at any of my trailers. Because you're here to do that for yourself. Well, yeah, but you never back me up. I do. <laughs> I played Far Cry 5, didn't all I? Right, fine. And... I helped you. I worked with you on Assassin's Creed Origins. <laughs> All right, fine. What do you want from me? <laughs> oh, more. I just feel like Steven gets a lot more plugs from you than I do. Oh, Rob. It's I fine. love you equally. No, that's fine. You have, to, you have to cohabitate with him. He's not here to defend himself. You only have to see me once a week. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not here to like talk about his own shit. Yeah. I have to do it for him. Because every time I say, you should be on the podcast, he's like, yeah. And then last thing, he's like, no. And he just walks away. <laughs> we set up, and he's like, nope. I'm like, Rob can't be here tonight. Let's do it. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, you know what that is time it, is. Well, I think I do. It is time for the crush. Crush. Of the week. Crush. Yeah, it's that time. Go for it. Ladies first. For Horniness. Whoa. <laughs> well, isn't that what a crush is? Well, yeah, yeah, I guess, but it just it it loses all like innocence and There's just no like innocence. You know, a crush like, is like the horniness. Lust. It's called lust. It should be lust of the week. <laughs> when you lust in the dust, you die in the dust. All right then. Sorry. So uh, who are you lusting after? My crush of the week is. Ogierd von Everick. <laughs> you from... love to say his name, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> from the Witcher series. Heart of Stone, to be precise. Do you hope he has something else of stone? I, I trust me. Heart is a rock? If if I was with him, it'd be stone cold. <laughs> stone cold? Yeah, it'd be frozen like that. Oh, Jesus. It'd never go down. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, what are we talking about? Uh, I don't know. His, his heart. His heart, yeah. yeah. Yeah, his brain, his IQ. Jeez. It would never go down. Yeah, never. <laughs> well done. Um, he's super sexy. He's very rugged. He's a redhead. So two redheads in a row now. Oh yeah, two fiery crotch. I mean, two fiery heads. <laughs> I mean, two fiery. Two redheads. Two redheads. <laughs> there we I'm go. Saying. Yeah, let's go with that. Um, and he's full of scars because he's a bad boy. Um, loves his family, loved his wife, and so he is just a bad boy with 
kind of a good heart, but you don't know. So but not it's... a not a heart of gold. That's a heart of stone. stone. Things happen in life, and you just it fucks you up. Yeah, things in life just fuck you up. Yeah, and I think I've that happens there. in every relationship. So, oh, yeah. so um, I think it's very true to say that he would be a perfect husband for me. I mean, crush. Wow. You're you're escalating this thing quickly. You're like Taylor <laughs> Swift level of like Ariana Grande level. infatuation <laughs> to like obsession. Yeah. He is that sexy though. All right. So. Wow. I need to see a picture of this guy. Oh later. yeah, I'll pull up while you talk about your crush. Well, my crush of the week is from a game that I spoke about earlier. It's from a Spider-Man. And um have you seen much footage of Spider-Man? Of guess. Yes, you've watched the Steven play it? Um, not a lot, just a little bit. Well, I have been crushing since I first laid my eyes on the character Martin Lee. Huh? <laughs> Who's that? Uh, in Spider-Man, he is the, like, head of Feast, which is a place where Aunt May works. Oh, yeah! Sorry, uh, I'm showing a picture Ol- of Olgierd. Olgierd Von Everick is a, like, he's a, he's a handsome dude. He is a very, um, he's a very cunty do. That oh, haircut? It's super lesbian. Oh, he's got a haircut. Yeah. Like. he He's he's tearing it up. Oh, yeah. Nice. I'll give him something to tear he's up. Younger oh. than, he's younger than I thought he'd be with that name. Yeah. He has a brother named Vlad, Vladimir. But, yeah. Von well, you should look up Martin Lee. But he's super So you can sexy. see him. Because he's lovely. Anyway, so my crush of the week is... Martin Lee, uh, who, uh, and if you want to look it up for yourself, Lee is spelled L-I. He is uh, a, like, beefy, handsome Asian man from Spider-Man who is exceptionally well-dressed all the time. And uh, he may or may not have just a little bit of darkness in him. Hmm. Interesting. He's an interesting crush. What? Well, I don't want you to see any spoilers. Oh, no, I know. I know. Okay. I know things. Um, But yeah, like that one right there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he's like a... He's very handsome. He's very handsome. He kind of reminds me... Anyway. He's like a very strapping fellow. And um, it's funny because he reminds me actually a lot of um, a lot of the... Whoa, that was weird. Um, A lot of the people that I've seen in... Yeah, a lot of people I saw like when I was in um in Japan even um just because like it's funny whenever I I went to Japan when I was like nineteen. Is he Japanese? No, I think he's Chinese. Um, but like when I went to Japan, everybody there like I mentioned how much I loved it when I got back, and everyone's like, "Oh, you disliked it because you're taller than everybody." And I was like, "No, I'm five four. I'm not taller than most people there. Yeah. I'm as tall as most women, and I'm as tall as most elderly men." Oh, that's cute, Rob. But like. Most people, though, uh, most most uh, men, especially uh, anyone probably under the age when I was nineteen, uh, and anyone under the age of probably thirty or thirty-five, were all like five eleven or like six two, and they were built like big, like solid. In Japan, yeah. Well, I think that uh, someone was telling me that like um, huh. dairy wasn't a big part of the Japanese diet for a long time, and when it got introduced more heavily into their diet, um, they bulked up. And so that's what I heard anyway. I don't know if that's real or not. But like, um, I found that most young 
people that I encountered in Japan were very like they were built like you know they weren't like these these petite little dainty things they were built like Americans not to say they were fat they were just but they were like you know they were they were big they were solid a lot of them look like football players yeah um and so yeah like I love the fact that uh Spider-Man has like a really really you know handsome and conflicted interesting character in henry lee and i don't know anything about comic books so i was gonna say he's actually in the comics yeah so my first introduction to him is through this game so i think yeah, we can I've actually probably speak about who he is in real life or in the comics because his alter ego is mr negative is that that thing yes no it's, it's this i think okay because yeah basically he just looks like the negative of like a photo negative of himself yeah and uh so yeah, he is Mr. Negative, who is a person who tends to bring out the worst in people. Oh. So if there's a darkness in you, he will find it, and he will... That's every human. And he will make you act on it, and he can make you do things. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really, I, I'm very much like enjoying it. like him. a monster inside of him. Well, that I have not seen yet. But, but I don't know. But like, his eyes glow like bright white slash blue. And, um, yeah, and he's just a, he's just a handsome dude. But, like, I also like that there's a little bit of darkness there. Oh. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, that's all. That's, that's my crush. What do you think sex would be like if he only brings out the darkness in you? <laughs> I don't know. Could be rough. Probably. <laughs> he's not always like that. Uh-huh. I don't know. I yeah. guess we'll find out. Plus, also, I mean, I, I like the fact that, like, his character, even just the fact that he's Asian, like, the, the yin-yang kind of thing with the, the darkness and the light. There's a lot of, uh, I feel like he's a really well-thought-out character, and that's just a lot of what he, even he wears, like, a, he tends to wear a black suit with a white shirt. Like, he, he is very black and white at all times. Yeah. And I, that's the world he lives in. He lives in a world where he is a paragon of, of goodwill and then the absence by of day. It. But his alter ego is complete evil. And so um, I love the fact that, like, he is this dichotomy of a human. Very cool. Interesting. I like that. So Martin Lee. Martin Lee. Yeah. That's my dude this week. I guess I'm going to have to play Spider-Man to get in a little, you know, kind of learn about this this crush of yours. It's so good. And he's honestly, I thought he was a super cool, like, I mean, for being a villain, he's very likable. Also, I really do like how in Spider-Man, I feel like. I feel like it's just a thing in all the Spider-Man movies. He's always closer to his villains than most people are. And that, like, you know, by day, as alter egos, he's very polite to them and they know each other. But then as soon as they put on their masks, they're at odds. It's kind of like um, Batman and um, Catwoman. Yeah. And I, but I feel like Spider-Man does that with all of his. Yeah. Like, Batman, a lot of people, he never sees as humans. But, like, Spider-Man, he seems to see... Everybody. Most of his people as human, and he gets close to them and then has to, you know, be against them later. Yeah. It's just a friend to all. Well, that's cool. Um, awesome. Well, might as well list off our shit, right? Right? Yes. I think it's that time. Because I think that was a podcast. I think we, we, I think we finished. Well, I think we did. Sorry, I had less... Like, a quarter of the input you had, but that's okay. Well, I feel so bad, like, being the, you know, dominating this thing. You're so dominant, Rob. Sorry. 
Stop being so dumb. Stop having so much news. <laughs> this isn't a news network. But it could be. Oh, 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 oh. So you can follow me at Satine the Dream on Instagram and Twitter or at Satine on Twitch. And thank you for all the recent subs that I've been getting. That's very kind of you. Yeah? More? Yeah. Nice. You sound surprised. I'm st- no, I'm glad, that, <laughs> I'm glad that people are doing it because I've been More? telling people too because I do it. Oh, and for those of you who are um, Prime members... Resubscribe to me, <laughs> which, which I realize I have not done this month, so I will do that. Yeah. Um. So, uh, you can follow me at Fast Danger on Twitter or at Mr. Gladstone, where Mr. is spelled out on Instagram and Twitch. You can follow the podcast cast at Bit Diff Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, or you can send us an email at bitdiffpodcast at gmail dot com. We have new episodes every wednesday every wednesday practically yeah we pretty much are every wednesday for the most part really yes we've been pretty good yes um and uh, oh i also um sorry um oh keep going and then i'll remind would you kindly follow rate and comment in itunes and google play and also you can listen and subscribe in spotify yes on that note, um, we are no longer on SoundCloud. I, I am going to see if I can upload just like new episodes and erase like the old episodes, so that way we can at least get the new ones up there. Um, but for the at the moment, we don't have any SoundCloud. So if you are subscribing on some um, SoundCloud, you're not going to be getting the updates of the new podcast. You can find them on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Anchor. Pretty much every other podcast listening in the freaking world we're on. So SoundCloud's kind of up in the air at the moment. But if you have any um, questions or something's not working out for you, just let us know via Instagram or email or whatever, and we'll look into it. So, yeah. Nice. And um, I guess that's it. That is it. Well, Rob, it was so lovely to see you. Good to Once see you again. too. I'm starving. I cannot wait to go home and eat. Oh, I think we should continue this podcast for no, a little longer. I have not eaten since like noon. So let's see if we can just Let, wait it out till you faint. I ate 11 <laughs> hours ago. I'm very hungry. I'll fix you some uh, microwaveable chicken nuggets. Sweet. That sounds good. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any. Well, God damn it. <laughs> All right, let's end this thing. I need to go get food. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And ciao, Bye-bye. <laughs>